When my heart is heavy, my spirit is low, the storms of life all around me roll. I call on the master who sends down his love and asks that we meet him in that home up above. Close to the Master, I'm trying to live. Close to the one who loves and forgives. Close to the one who
sparrow that could no longer fly. He brushed off its wings and then watched it soar into the sky. If he's mindful of creation, on this I can depend. Oh, I am his child, and I can place all my trust in him. Oh, I can trust Jesus. I can trust Jesus. He never once has failed to
of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Lift up your voice to He woke up this morning to an angel in his bed. There was a devil in the bottle that he was holding in his hand. With his head still full of whiskey and his eyes now full of tears, he dusted off a Bible that he hadn't read in years. And he said, You see this bottle? 
giving up I'm not turning around by the grace of God I'll win a shining crown someday will I keep holding on to that nail scarred hand I'm not giving up no Walking through a valley, through this veil of tears. Well, at times I've even questioned, even if my Lord was near. Many times that old tempter says, why not turn around? You can't get any farther. Because you're just losing ground. Oh, but I'm not giving up, giving up. I'm not turning round, turning round. By the grace of God, I'll wear a shiny crown. Someday will I'll keep holding on, holding on to that nail-scarred hand. I'm not giving up, no, I'll keep going on. Oh, would you mind to tell me there's been something bothering me? Why is it that old devil just won't let God's children be? Oh, he's purposed and determined. Oh, to get right in the way and turn us from this way of life and lead our souls astray. Oh, oh, oh I'm not giving up, giving up. I'm not turning round, turning round. By the grace of God, I'll wear a shining crown someday. Oh, I've been a walk 
walking through the valley, through this veil of tears. At times I've even questioned, even if my Lord was near. He says, why not turn around? You can't get any farther, no, because you're just losing ground. Well, I'm not giving up, giving up. I'm not turning around, turning around. By the grace of God, I'll wear a shining crown someday. No, I'm not turning round. Turning round. By the, the grace of God, I'll wear a shining crown someday. Oh, I'll keep holding on, holding on to that nail-scarred head. I'm not giving up. No, I'll keep going
Your glory fills the highest place. What can separate me now? Cause you tore that veil. You made a
so nobody be out on the lake, on the boat, or on the, it's a good day to be in the house of God anyway, but God is good to us, and I was thinking, they had a women's meeting Friday night, and I asked my wife when she got home, I said, well, they t what did they talk about? I don't know, never asked her, I just popped up, and I said, what did they talk about? And she said, you ain't gonna believe it, they talked about fishing. And I said, you ain't going to believe it. That's what I got wrote down. <laughs> and I don't know why, because I don't, I don't fish much. Used to. We'd sneak off the paid lakes and places like that and fish. Been a few fishing trips. Me and Dustal went one time to Canada. 
And every time I think about that trip, that's what I think about WM standing there and Billy Cole taking that northern pike. They're supposed to be taking a picture. Destel's trying to take a picture, and Billy took that fish and whacked him across the face, whacked, <laughs> whacked WM, and WM chased him all over the place. <laughs> that's the main thing I remember about that fishing trip, other than, other than being wore out trying to drive so far. But I know what the Bible's talking about, and it's talking about fishing a lot of times. And God deals with animals. How many knows God deals with animals? And I, I know that God can do anything. And sometimes I look at the Word of God and I realize that God went to extremes in many cases. He went to extremes to reach some of you. He went to an extreme to reach Apostle Paul. He struck him down on the road, changed him in his path, and made him a different person. God needed to get a hold of you. He needed to get in your face with his presence. And he needed you to see yourself for who you are. Because God had a plan, and we're included in his plan. If you got your Bible, I want to turn to Jonah. You that probably heard this preached about a hundred times, but I want to talk about Jonah. And most of you have heard the whole story. I'm not going to read the whole story. I'm going to read a little part of it. I'm trying to get something out of this story, and I want you to get a hold of it. But I want to go to Jonah, the first chapter, and I'm going to read verse 1 of the first chapter. And it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. How many knows God called Nineveh a great city? Do you think God calls America a great city? Do you think we live in a great city? A great country? I think we do. But God said, Arise, he told Jonah, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it and to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Twice he says he's running from the presence of the Lord. God tells God's people what to do, and God's telling a prophet Jonah. And I want you to know something. God calls him a prophet. There, the word of God calls him a prophet of God. Yet when you look at it, he's known as to be the reluctant prophet, the prophet that did not want to go and do what God told him to do. Anybody ever been there? I've been there myself. Lord, I don't want to go that way. It's better for me not to go that way. I'm not smart enough to go that way. I don't want to do that, Lord. Get somebody else to do that. I mean, knows God's working on his church and God's working on his people. But he says here in the fourth verse, he says, but the Lord sent out a great wind. How many knows the Lord called it a great, a great city? Now he's calling for a great wind. How many knows God's doing some great things here? I know I'm reading into it. I'm trying to add something in there, but I want you to hear it. 
It said the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. Where was he going? He was going to Tarshish. Now, I don't know if you can look on your maps in the back, but sometimes you can find it this way. Sometimes you can't find the little cities that was named back then. But I want to tell you something. For him to go to Tarshish, he had to leave where, where uh, Jonah was from, which a place called Geth, Gath Heifer. That's the name of it, Gath Heifer. And he was from that little town, and it's about two, two and a half miles above Nazareth. So he's up in the Galilean area. But what did Jonah do? Did he go toward Nineveh, which was way up past Haran, which is where Abraham came to come to the land of Israel? He didn't go that way. He turned and went the opposite way. He went down to Joppa. Joppa is right on the seacoast, the Mediterranean seacoast. And Jonah goes down and buys a ticket to go to Tarshish. Where's Tarshish? He just happened to come down here and the ship going to Tarshish. Tarshish is almost, the best thing I, I can look at it and figure, is almost 2,200 miles a ship. That's a long ways. That's like saying I'm going to go and leave here and I'm going to California on a ship. That's a long way, 2,200 miles. But Jonah had made up his mind, if I get on that ship, I ain't going to have to worry about going and preaching to Nineveh. Because I don't like those people. See, God's opening a door. How many knows God wants to forgive people? God's trying to rescue people. God's still trying to save. He may, you may not like the people's faces on the news, but we need to pray for what God's trying to do today. Because whether you like them or not, God's going to have to change some things for things to change. And God can do it. We can't do it. We look at it like our world's lost. If our world is lost and you're not ever going to do anything to help it, then stay out of it. Can I tell you? But God's calling us to get involved in it. And God's liable to tell us something to do tomorrow. Are you ready? Are you willing? Are you able? We have to prepare ourselves, don't we? I don't know about you, but God's been preparing this church. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know if it's a small thing, a big thing, or what it is. But God does not save us, set us free, reveal things to us, prepare us for our tomorrow to set and do nothing. No, he has got a plan. And here Jonah the prophet didn't like God's plan, didn't like to go that way. But God, sent, uh, God called him anyway and told him to go. And it says here, the shipmaster came. Now, look at verse 5. It says, the mariners were afraid and cried every man to his God because of the great wind and the tempest in the sea. And they cast their wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. What's, what, when you take a ship that goes that far at that time, that was a ship of cargo. They loaded up stuff from that area of Israel, and they're taking it all the way. This Tarsus is actually at the base of Spain. It's a long way. It's past Italy. It's past Rome. It's past all, but that was where they were going. So it was loaded down with goods. But how many knows God's got control of the wind? God's got control of the sea. 
God's got control of you and me if you'll let him. He'll work miracles to do the things that he tells you he wants to do. Don't be, don't be thinking it's impossible. There's nothing impossible for God. And it says, Jonah was gone down into the side of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. They were empty in the ship, and Jonah's down in the bottom of it asleep. Then it says, verse 6, So the shipmaster came to him and said to him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? You think he was saying that sarcastic a little bit? What are you doing, old sleepy guy? How come you ain't running for your life? How come you ain't scared that we're going to go down? The ship was in trouble. It had been in trouble. They were throwing everything out. It says, arise, call upon thy God, if, thy, if so be that God will think upon us and we perish not. Then after that, they cast lots and it fell on Jonah. They figured it out that Jonah's the one that's running from his God. Now exactly how they did that, I don't know, but it came up that Jonah was it. Did you know these mariners didn't even serve God, but they knew that that God was powerful enough to make that storm and to cause the problem they had. All they knew is, we got to get this problem straightened out. When they couldn't stop it, what did they do? They decided, look at verse 15, they took up Jonah and they cast him forth into the sea and the sea ceased from her raging. How many knows what happened? God's man that was going the opposite of what God told him to do was thrown out of the ship and all of a sudden, Andy, the storm stopped. How many knows they threw, away, threw her out the wrong, threw out the right guy? You can like it and lump it, but God's going to throw you right, into, right under the bus sometimes when you reject what God's telling you to do. God wants you to submit to what he's telling you. He wants you to love him well enough to know that I've got to do this. It's got to be in my heart. I've got to do this for God. Because God says it's what he wants. Look at verse 17, the last of the first chapter. And now the Lord had prepared a great fish. Uh-oh, now he's done great again. How many knows God's stepping in again? He not only had him throw him out and he calmed that storm, but he had a great fish prepared to catch him and eat him up. Praise God. I don't know about you, but can I tell you something? America, the Jews... All across the, the nations over the world for the last uh, many, many years has decided that Jonah's story can't be true. You believe that? You mean there's a whale that swallowed him? That's what the Bible says. There was a great fish prepared by God. You may say that's impossible for him to get swallowed up and live for three days in that belly of that whale. You might say that's impossible. But how many knows God prepared the fish? How many knows fish didn't have a whole lot to say about it? When God says go over there, you're getting ready to have a little bit of a swallow. You're going to swallow something you really ain't going to chew up. 
but you're going to swallow something. You think God ain't big enough to do what he needs to be done? Listen to this. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Look at verse 6. Verse 6, it says, I, this is Jonah still talking, I went down to the bottoms of the mountains, talking about the sea, bottom of the mountain of the water. He said, I went down to the bottom, the earth were, with her bars were about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. Look at verse 10 of chapter 2. And the Lord spake unto the fish. Uh-oh. That just makes the story that much harder to believe, don't it? The Lord spoke to the fish. How many knows God speaks to fish? He does when it's his time. When he wants something done, he ain't got a bit of problem. He tells them what's going to happen. If he can speak to a storm and tell it to be still, if he can speak to a storm and tell it to rise up, Guess what? He can speak to the fish. And he rose up and spoke to the fish. And the Lord spoke and, it, and the fish and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Ain't that a wonderful story? That's all I'm going to tell you about Jonah. You've got to read the rest of the story yourself. Yeah, it's a good story. Jonah had a problem. He didn't like it even after he went and preached to Nineveh. He didn't like it that God forgave him. You know what? God's still going to do what God knows needs to be done. And God has compassion that you and I don't understand. See, we write people off because they're like Nineveh to us. They don't deserve to be forgiven. I've seen their wickedness. I've seen their heart. It shows all over what they do. And I don't want God to forgive them. They don't deserve to be forgiven. That was the heart of the prophet, Jonah. God didn't write him off. God just corrected him. Guess what I see in that? I see Jonah going down, getting on the, in the boat, heading so far away from where he's supposed to be going. Feel like I've done answered my own problem. I'm getting out of here. Sometimes, wouldn't you sometimes just want to get on 75 and go south or go north? Say, all my problems are back in Cincinnati, but I'm going out of here. No, maybe just me. I don't know. But what I see is, I see that Jonah, Jonah was taken in a place where he's seen what God's will was. I want you to go on to Luke 5. Turn to Luke 5 if you got your Bible. Luke 5, 
I want you to look at verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him, talking about Jesus, to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Genesaret, which is the Galilean Sea, and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, talking about Peter, Simon Peter. It says, prayed, and he prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. Why am I going there? Number one, it's another fish story. Number one, it's, it's the fact that Jesus has probably met Peter before. This is really the call to these four disciples, the fishermen of men, to change them to fishermen of men. But I want you to understand something. They probably already met him. If you look at John, I think it's in the first chapter around the end of it. You'll find that's when Simon left John the Baptist and saw Jesus and ran and told his brother, come and see them, the man, Jesus. And I believe he might have met him, but he didn't stay with him because it was evening time. But here Jesus shows up to their ship. They're out fishing. They've been fishing all night. And he says to him, and when he left speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. A drought means a catching of fish or a haul of fish. Number one, Jesus went out on that ship to preach to the people. The people were pressing against him, and he came and got on the ship. This tells a different story, Luke does, than Matthew and Mark and John does. But it tells basically the depths of what happened. And I look at what Luke's saying here as Jesus comes up and he sees them cleaning their nets. Now, I want you to hear this because they're done fished all night. They're done wore out. They're, they're cleaning their nets. They're getting ready to go home. They're getting ready to go take a break. But Jesus shows up and he has to have a place to preach so he gets on one of the ships, prays or asks for Simon if he can take the ship and cast it out a little bit so he could preach to the people. He sat down on the ship and he began to, to preach to the people. But it doesn't say what he preached. It doesn't say what he said to the people. All it says was when he got done speaking, when he left the speaking, he looked over at Simon and he said, launch out into the deep. Think about it. Let down your nets for a drought. And Simon answered and said, Master, we toiled all night and have done, and taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down thy, the net. And when he had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes. 
and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which was James and John in the other boat, which were in the ship, when in the other ship, and that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that the so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell on his face, fell down on, at Jesus' knee, uh, knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished at all that were with him, and all that were with him at the drought of the fishes, which they had taken. And so also was James and John, sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, listen to this, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Now, I'm saying that for a reason. Number one, they fished all night and couldn't catch nothing. The last thing, even though they believed in Jesus, even though there was something about Jesus that was special, when he came out and sat in that ship, he was, wasn't really about preaching to the people, even though that's what Jesus was on, on his mission for. But he was calling those four. And for them, he wanted them to see the power that he had over the fish. Did you know they'd fished all night? They were professional fishermen, if you'd have it. You know, Jewish people ain't really fishing people. But these men living on that Mediterranean began to have their living make, uh, fishing. They knew exactly how to get it done. They done gave up. They'd already was up cleaning their nets. Somewhere they put the nets back in the boat and they went on out and Jesus preached. But what he did is turned around and told them and they, he wanted them to see that he had power. Power to do what he said he'd do. And what did he do? He went out and told them to cast their nets. They cast their nets over. And how many knows Jesus is saying to them, bring, the ship, bring them fish in. You know what he wants us to see? He can do a great harvest in you and I. He wants us to see that. Who are those fish? They're what feeds us. They're what God has given us to do. Not to fish after fish, but to fish after men. Fish after lost souls. And if we believe him and believe what he tells us to do and we'll get dedicated enough to where we want to hear what he says, when he tells you to do something, you do it. It's not the amount of shit, uh, the fish you catch. It's not the amount of people you catch. But can I tell you something? I read that and I see Peter from that day on. God is working on him. Jesus has worked on him all of his life. He has shown him, put your net out. You know what he's telling me and you to do today? Put your net out. You're supposed to be catching people for the gospel's sake. I mean, here's what I'm saying. We're to catch people and bring them to, to the Lord. Not, not bring them to this church. We're not trying to sign them up on their books. We want their name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That means put your net out. We're to be fishing for the Lord everywhere we go. We're God's people. We're the, we're the ones that he has called and sent. 
just like he's talking to these four. He's talking to them all the way through. From the time Jesus began to the end, he was telling them the same thing. Gather the, gather the fish. Go feed my lambs. Go feed my people. How many knows? He wants us to show people Jesus. You can't show it unless you've got it inside of you. But if he's in you, that's what he's after. He's after a work to be done. Matthew 13, three verses, four verses. Matthew 13, I want you to look at verse 47. It's the parable of the net. Some of you have heard this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore. It was like a seine net. They drawed it. Now, when these two ships would get together, sometimes they would drop big nets off the side of their ship, and they would have weights on the bottom, and they would tie them there, and then they had a rope down there at the bottom, and when they felt like there was enough pull of the fish that was in it, they would come together and pull the ropes and bring it in and drag it up. And they would bring it. There was so many fish, they couldn't get them in the ship. That's what Peter and them just dealt with. James and John, they filled their ship full. And that's what, it, that's what impressed them so much, that Jesus could turn right around after they fished all night, those professional fishermen, and yet they couldn't catch nothing. Jesus filled their boats up. It's probably the greatest haul of fish they'd ever had because they're just barely making it. They're, just, they're not some rich group. They're just trying to make it. It's what humbled him. And I, I know you've got to understand the last thing I read there who said in Luke 5 was when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook it all and followed him. You know what? They walked away from their shipping job. Their fishing job's over. They walked away from their ship and all of their goods. It was so important to them. You know how much we count important things uh, that are unimportant to God? You know how busy we are to fix the things that we think is important and God's not worried about those things? You're leaving it all behind anyway. God is after you to get a hold of what he's trying to show you. He was trying to show these fishermen, I got a better thing for you to do, fish for men. He just wanted him to, them to accept it, believe it, and go after it. It says in Matthew 13, 47, Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full, they drew it to shore and sat down and gathered the good into the vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world. Angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire, and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. 
Somebody don't want me to read that. But I want to tell you something real simple. Listen to me, church. I believe when he talks about the kingdom of heaven, he's talking about the church. I think he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about those in the kingdom of heaven. But can I tell you something? The church could be where this net is drawing them into. And there's many people in the net of the church that do not believe in Christ. They're not following him. They're not living for him. They have not surrendered their self to him. And can I tell you something? This, this parable is telling me one day, and it won't be us that judge. It'll be the angels will come. And when the gathering of the church is gathered together, there's going to be some cast out. I don't, I don't think you want to hear this, but it's true. It's the parable of the net. The net is catching people. There are hundreds of people, and I'm not their judge, sitting in churches today, everywhere in this world, that have turned around and changed the gospel. They don't believe in Christ. They don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. They don't believe they need to be saved. They don't believe in the, in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. They don't believe in a little story of Jonah and the whale. How many of you hear what I'm saying? We got a whole world that is taking the gospel and making it a social fellowship. Uh-oh. It's a social fellowship. Can I tell you something? Our fellowship is with our heavenly father and with his son, Jesus Christ. That's where our fellowship's at. It's not with you and me. I love you. And if you're a child of God, guess what? We have fellowship every week here. But if we don't, if you're not in Christ, you're not in the church. I don't care if you sit here every week. I don't care what the name of your church is. I don't care who your preacher is. I don't care who your mom and daddy is. You have to come to the place where you say, Jesus, I want you as my Savior. It's personal. It was done said, and it's personal. It's a personal thing, Duran. He wants to rescue the lost. He wanted to rescue Nineveh. Why? They don't deserve it. But God said, I'm going to rescue them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't have no idea what they're facing. I'm out to rescue them. Jonah, just pick it up and go back. The very thing that Jonah forgot was that he was walking away from God's will. You hear what I'm telling you, Christian? Listen to me. Don't walk away from God's will when he tells you to do something. Because Jonah was walking away from God's will. And when God had that fish to spit him out, guess what? He's back in the will of God. Because why? God sent a great fish to spit him on the shore. He didn't spit him over in Spain. He spit him back where he started from. Praise God. I don't know about you, but I think it's a funny story. He just spent his will, spent his will, took him a nap, thought everything was okay. And then he got swallowed by a fish. He's crying out to God. All of a sudden, God spits him right back where he started from. And what did he have to do? Go straight back over there to Nineveh. And you know, Nineveh, they estimate, was 64 miles around. 
It was such a big, great city that it took him three days. They estimated it about 20-something miles a day, 21 miles a day. It took him all of that to walk around there to warn the people. He spent those days warning the people, repent or destruction is coming. You have 40 days. You have 40 days to repent. And I'm going to tell you, when the, when the word got out, that king that knew nothing of God, he told them all, he said, don't even let the animals eat. Everybody will fast for three days. You will fast. Nothing will eat. Not even the animals will eat. They, and they put ashes. They sit in ashes and put the humbled look upon their face. Why? They were saying, God, don't pass judgment on us. You know how many's crying out, Lord, don't pass judgment? Not that many. Most of them are still striving for whatever the world's got. Still trying to run the opposite way of what God says do. I'm not trying to judge you. I'm not trying to put you down. I'm trying to tell you that God uses all things to bring people to him. And he wants to use us. That's why Jesus said, except a man be born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God. And then he said in verse 5 of John 3, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, you'll not enter into the kingdom of God. I mean, here's what I'm saying. Coming here to church, going to another church, being pleased with what kind of music they got or being pleased with what kind of message they preach or telling you you're fine, patting you on the head and telling you're okay and, and going through the program. Can I tell you something? I don't care how much money they got or how many people they got. If they're lost, they're lost. They need to preach Jesus Christ. He's the only Savior. He's the only one. Go back to Matthew 12, one chapter back. Do you know what the sign of the fish means? Now, I ain't into this signs and symbols and stuff that much, but you know what a cross means when it's held up. You see a cross, and you know that represents Jesus dying on a cross. When you see a fish... And they'll do a line this way and a line this way. And you can tell it's a fish. Well, that Christian fish, it's a sign, I believe, of the prophet Jonah. Why do you say that? Because just as the sign of the prophet Jonah was three days and three nights in the well of that belly, the Son of God was three days and three nights in the earth. Paying our price. And you know, back in the early first century after the apostles died, you know, they used to, they was killing Christians. So they used that fish sign. Now, there was a lot of people, a lot of other people from different countries that used fish sign for different things. But this was a way that the Christians could let somebody know if they just met somebody, they'd 
threw that little fish on there. They put it on their doorway or somewhere. Didn't mean that much because a lot of people had fish on it. But this was a sign for Christians. This person here is a Christian. And when they wouldn't make a sign, they'd let them know. They had to work in secret because they were being killed. It's a sign. But in this 12th chapter, 38th verse, it says, Then certain of the scribes and Pharisees, they came to the master saying, We would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it. But the sign of the prophet Jonas. For Jonah was three days and three nights in a whale's belly, and the son of man three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And the men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. Uh-oh. I got a feeling they didn't get this. But the Pharisees and the scribes, how they came with this, we want to see a sign from you to prove who you are. He said the only sign you're going to get was the prophet Jonah being in the whale's belly. Did you know he not only gave him the sign, but he confirmed that that really happened. Jesus don't tell stories that are not true. When Jesus said as Jonah was in the whale's belly, you can guarantee it happened just like he said. Write it down. He's not going to entertain you. He's going to tell you your Savior don't already paid a price for you. Just like the sign of Jonah, he's already went and did the work for you and I to be forgiven. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented. How many knows Nineveh repented? Nineveh repented. But this generation did not want to accept Jesus Christ at all. They rejected everything about him. Everything he said, everything he done, they turned him away. You know what's going on in our society today? They reject Jesus Christ. You can talk to them about religion. You can talk to them about culture. You can say, let's go back and have the culture of, of an Indian tribe from way back because my grand, great-great-grandparents were, were Cherokees. And you can go back and do a, a jig out on the lawn and play your drums and, and play your music. Can I tell you something? You're not, you're not impressing God with any of that. He made a way for you and I. It's through his son. They repented, but this generation refuses to repent at the message of Jesus. See, Jesus is still being preached. All across our nation, Jesus is still being preached. But someday God will say, that's enough. Someday when you look at our nation getting worse and worse, someday God's going to say, you know what? There is no other message coming. His name was Jesus. You either repent to him 
You either come by him or you won't make it. You think those angels are going to have a hard time deciding who to throw out? They'll know who is, who is good and who is repented, and they're sent to separate them. The separation will come. You and I know if we're saved. You and I know what God has called us. He's called us to repent. He's calling our nation to repent. He's calling the world to repent. But what are we doing? We're still trying to figure out how to get around Jesus, around his message. Let's soft soap it. Let's make it easy. Let's not be so serious. I'm not trying to be your judge. I'm not trying to put nobody down in here. I praise God when the presence of God is here. I praise God that he convicts people and still saves people. But can I tell you something? The days of coming of judgment. The days of judgment are coming. Only God knows your heart. You can tell me anything. I've known people been raised in church all their life. They know how to talk the language. But do they really know him? Have they ever really said, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. And I come to you with myself and I surrender all. Isaiah 55, 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Acts 17.30 And the times of the ignorance God winked at but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath Raised him from the dead. God used to wink at our ignorance. But he don't wink no more. You know why? Because Jesus made it real plain and real clear. We don't have to fight to be perfect. Obey all the laws. No, we just got to bring ourselves to him that paid our price. Hide yourself in him. But you have to come with your heart and repent unto him. Come on back up, Matthew. When I look at what those fishermen, what Jesus was trying to get a hold of them. When I look at the end, and I look at the 21st chapter of John, and I'm going to talk about it tonight, but when I look at those days, Jesus still, after he had resurrected, after he had come, Peter rose up and said, I go fishing. 
And he looked around, and a bunch of them, the disciples got together and said, Hey, we're going fishing with you. But how many knows they fished again? They fished all night. But the next day, next morning, Jesus was on the shore. He had a little fire going, getting a little meal together. He told them, when they figured out it was him, he told them, Bill, he said, cast on the right side. Cast your net on the right side. And just because he said it to them, they thought, okay, we'll throw our net out there, but we've been out here all night. There ain't nothing there. See, it happened twice for these disciples. Why? Because the Lord's trying to get his message across. I made you fisher of men. What are you doing out here fishing for fish? Don't you know I called you to go fish for men? And then he, he goes through all of that, brings them back, tells them, bring some of the fish. We're going to put these on the fire. And they came and they dined with him. It says, come and dine. All of that together for Jesus was working a miracle in their heart and in their mind. He was telling them again, I've called you. And then he spoke personally to Peter. Why? Because Peter had denied him three times and he knew, he knew inside of him his faith was crushed. Jesus said to him, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Three times he said it to him. Don't you know Jesus is waiting on us to reach out to people and bring them in? Are you laying down your net at work? Are you trying to capture somebody with the gospel? Because see, the net is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You lay it out before people and you will catch them. You say, that's tricking them. Yeah, I'll trick them. If it'll keep them going to hell, I want them to see Jesus. I want them to see the whole gospel. I want them to see his love for them. That's why Jesus called these fishermen. He wanted them to love people enough to go out, lay my gospel before them. Let them know that I'm calling them to be a part of this great kingdom of God. God's got his hands full, you would think, looking at this world. Yet when I read those stories like that, I realize ain't nothing too big for God. He could bring a whale right up Ohio River if he wanted to, right in the middle of fireworks. You know what? God's willing to do anything trying to reach us. But he's not trying to show off or impress us. He's God. He should have already impressed you with the love he has shown for you. And if you love him, you need to bring yourself to him daily. Daily, Lord, I need you. Daily, Lord, I need help. I need to bring the gospel out of me to whoever you've sent me to. Do you love your family? Do you know some of you are around family all the time and you never speak of Jesus? 
I'm not your judge. I'm telling you, love them. Love them enough to tell them Jesus loves you. Keep telling them. Keep loving them. God will do a miracle that you would never believe could happen. You think Nineveh was hanging on one little prophet hiding in the back at the bottom of his ship? He couldn't save them anyway. He didn't even want to save them. But God had a better plan. God will work things out. Everybody stand, if you will. message never changes coming to Jesus is what it's all about bring him your heart bring him your life bring him whatever he wants to do in you I never know what God's going to tell me to do neither do you but he'll give you whatever it takes accomplish what he's going to do I don't know how long God's going to put up with America or this world the way it is but I know he came to an end with Nineveh and Nineveh repented do we know enough gospel that if God would do a miraculous thing would send a message would it change us at all because see the world has done built up a wall of resistance against the gospel they're even telling our children don't listen to your old parents telling you about that old book if it ain't a fact don't believe it but I'm going to tell you something you got to have faith to believe in Christ and to believe what he has given he demands you have faith in him praise God she sings something, you come. Oh, have you a heart that's weary, tending a load of care? And are you a soul that's seeking rest from the burden you bear? Do you know? 
Decision has to be made. You can't let the enemy talk you out of it every time. Choice has to come personally from you. I thought sometimes when you see people standing side by side, I think about Lazarus outside the rich man's house. Rich man knew he was there every day begging for food. But after they both died, they knew where each other was. That rich man knew Lazarus wasn't where he was. He was in another place in the arms of Abraham. I don't care who you stand next to. It's personal. It's personal choice, personal decision. You have no idea what God wants to do in your family when you make a choice to live for Jesus. That's the thing that the Holy Spirit's working on. That's the thing. He's not trying to build this church to be some great thing. The great thing is what he does inside of that great miracle inside of us. But the enemy will talk you out of it all your life if you let him. God's not going to take nothing away from you. He's going to bless you over and over and over. He'll make you lay down at night and know peace in your heart. He'll make you raise up in the morning and have hope for tomorrow. That you ain't going to get out of money or anything else. You need Jesus. It's personal. Who would wait all of their life? I know elders that came to Jesus. Who would give them that much patience and that much time? Only the God we serve. Don't look at defeats. Look at the one that knows how to restore, knows how to fix what's wrong inside. He's trying to do a work on us. He works on me all the time. I know he does. I'd tell you, but it ain't really none of your business. And you know what? Your problems ain't none of my business. But I know this. He wants you to surrender to him. He's got great plans. He's trying to rescue some. It's many. Some of them are people you know. Some of them are people that you've been put in their life. 
to witness to. Reach out and love them in the name of Jesus. Tell them the truth. They may be your enemy for a while, but you'll live forever one day with them. And they'll have a great testimony, a great story to tell. Ain't it good when you get around God's people and they want to say, no, 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 you got to hear my testimony. You got to hear what happened to me. Isn't that good? They're excited about what has happened inside of them. Paul told his story everywhere he went, before the high ups, before a little lady on the the riverbank, Tabitha, he told her this story. Paul went everywhere telling his story of how Jesus changed his life. Do you have that story in you? How Jesus changed your life? Your wife can't give it to you. Your husband can't give it to you. Your parents couldn't give it to you. It comes by him. He loves you. He's the one that says, yes, she shall be born. Yes, he shall be born. I have a plan for their life. And sometimes we think it's all about what we want. No, it ain't. It's what he wants for us. Oh, God, help us to see the call upon our lives, to see the days that we have, the short time that we have to serve. I love you. I'm not trying to condemn nobody. Just want that door to be open. If you change your mind and want to come up here and pray, these altars will be open.